Hi, welcome to another What the Flock podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Shell. This is Hoyt, of course. This is actually an impromptu um, additional podcast to the one that we taped yesterday. I sprung this on my producer, KT, and Hoyt when we came into the studio today that I needed to process things in real time and get things out because of what I endured last night after really for the first time publicly talking about my story when we had Nixie on. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I talk a pretty good game most of the time and I'm tough and it's been 10 years and, you know, 99% of the time I do really well. But last night when I got home, it was as if every can of worms had been opened. And so when I got to my hotel room, because I don't live that close to the studio, so I stayed at a hotel. It was like, I was like, what is happening right now? Like, just so many cans of worms. There were worms all over my hotel room. That's what I felt like I was just stepping in worms. And actually, it wasn't even really worms. I'm going to say it was a can of whoop ass Mm -hmm. because I was getting my ass kicked by my own thoughts and should I be doing this? Did I say too much? How did I say it? What did Hoyt think of this? And I was I was like, what is happening to you right now? Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me that this is a lifelong process. Absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the hardest things to accept is that you want to just put it behind you and say, oh, I figured, right. I figured it out. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore, everything should be fine. And the truth is, especially when you've had a long indoctrination process like you endured and I endured, the neural pathways. I mean, it's a little physiological. You're so used to thinking a certain way, doing things. Even when you've had this grand epiphany of recognizing what it really is, those neural pathways are still kind of in, you know, uh, the go-to system. So you have to work vigilantly to break those you know, ways of thinking, and it takes time, and it can take years. And it, I mean, for me, it, uh, I can say it takes. It took decades, and it continues to evolve. Not not like I'm having trials and tribulations that are painful, but you have setbacks mm-hmm. and then you have times that you feel good. And then you have times that you have doubts and, and it just seems to be part of the whole mix. You know, and, and I think it's something that you have to just kind of be gracious with yourself in that process and right. recognize that it is a process and, and that the more that, the more that you talk about it, the easier it gets. And, and that's like when we talked to Nixie last night and seeing that she's new to that game, Yes, you know, that can be quite traumatizing, even saying it for the first time and for you, like doing it publicly you know, maybe the first time that is traumatizing because you're fun. It takes in a, a huge amount of courage to come forward and own your story. So all I can do is encourage you to embrace that process and be graceful to yourself in that right. process and recognize there are going to be good days and there's going to be maybe some rough nights like you just had. Right. You know? And it was so interesting to me because of course I couldn't sleep because mm-hmm. when my brain goes, I I'm exhausted, but I'm like, my brain is just going, going, going. So I was just thinking about this all night, which didn't help. So I might not explain some of this eloquently. So mm-hmm. Hoyt mm-hmm. production staff, bear with me because my my notes look like a mm-hmm. you know middle of the night. I call them my Jerry Maguire mission statement. You know uh, moments. Sure, sure. <laughs> so you know I just want to process this in real time and get it out. And I'm so excited that mm-hmm. perfect timing to have you here. And then on our next episode, which I'm really excited about, we have Dr. Steve Hassan. That's right. Right. 
And so maybe I'll get some free counseling out of that guy too, right? While we have him on. But um, I'm going to start with our our quote of the day, which I have in my phone all the time, but it is perfect for, again, for this episode, for what we're talking about. Write or talk about what disturbs you, what you fear, what you have not been willing to speak about. Be willing to be split open. And I think that's how I felt last night. Not that it was bad, but I felt split open. Mm-hmm. And not even like I was reopening a wound. Because those are, they, they, I, again, I'm, I feel very fortunate for I've healed. Mm-hmm. But it re-reminded me that there's layer after layer. It's not so much you need to re-heal, but it's a new layer of, what's that feeling? What the hell was that? You know, or... Why did I think that about myself? So it just was a very interesting process. Of course, the bummer is the lack of sleep. Again, so I might be a little sideways today, but that's okay. I was really excited to come in here and just kind of talk this out. But I think what was bugging me was that I don't feel like in the last episode with Nixie, I still was holding back. And I don't feel like I explained myself very well that... When I joined this group, I honestly did it because I thought I was doing the right thing. Sure. And of course, loved God, wanted to help people, and didn't even mind the, didn't mind the boundaries at the time because those at first feel good. Like you're cutting everything else out, all your selfishness, mm. all your distractions. All part of the training, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And you're dedicated and... You know, they remind you every day that only the strong can do this. You're special. You're set apart. Has anyone ever told you how awesome you are? Mm. I'm like, well, no, they haven't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So go ahead and mm. tell me some more. And so you're so just swept in, you know. And But I really believed what they were teaching. And I think that sometimes is what's hard for me to share. Because that starts, that's where some of that shame will seep in. Like, well, how could you believe what they were telling you? Well, I, I think one lesson to take from that, um, which I've um, tried to think about it in this way, is what it demonstrates is you have the ability to buy in. And ultimately, it's just developing discrimination to buy into things that are healthy. But there's a lot of people, <laughs> right. there's a lot of people that struggle with buying in at all. Right. So it's actually an incredible trait that when you commit, you commit, like when I came out of this, people were like, are you, are you, you know, are you, you know, afraid of committing to things after this? I'm like, no, actually, I feel like I'm pretty good at committing. I just need to, <laughs> I need to commit to things that are actually good for me. You know? So, so it, right. I think it's a way of, of recognizing their, their forces at work that are, you know, just kind of been misapplied. Right. So, so, cause the, 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 what the cult teaches you is to blame yourself for everything. Oh, God. But, but what the, what the healing process yes. is recognizing you are exhibiting traits and, and doing certain actions, which if applied correctly could really serve you in the world. You know, I remember talking to one of the ex members from my group saying, um, cause he seemed quite depressed and struggling to find his way in the aftermath. And we've talked about this several times, how challenging the aftermath is. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks, oh, you get out of the cult, things should be fine. It's like, no. no, integrating back into the world is really, really challenging. A, trying to find the way to forgive yourself and, and lose that shame that you just talked about. But then B, talking to all your friends and, fa- and family are looking at you like, dude, what the fuck happened? Right. And, and finding a way to communicate them that feels like, 
it's user-friendly, that they can understand, they can relate, and you can foster a healthy conversation. That's really hard to do um, coming out of this whole thing and when you've been you know, severely traumatized. So it just, you know, it, it takes time. But mm-hmm. when I talked to this one friend of mine, I could see he was struggling. And I said, um, so where would you like to be in five years? You know, and, and, and he said... Um, well, I'd like to have my own business and kind of doing this and that. And, and, I, and I could hear what he's saying. He, he thought this was like pie in the sky. And I said to him, I said, listen, think about what you just told me. And then think about what we bought into, how the end of the world was coming, the space people were going to pick us up. You know, we were going to become leaders of the new age and all these sort of things. And you bought into that. I go, compared to the two scenarios, which one's more likely? Mm-hmm. And why are you having trouble buying into the one that's very, very tangible and real? Because like, you've proven you can buy it. Right, right. And he's like, wow, I never thought of it like that. So I think it's a lot of readjusting some of the things that emerge through this period and recognizing they can serve you in your current life, just directed towards things that are more constructive rather than destructive. Right, right. And I was also thinking about how these cults, Take the good qualities in us, the compassion. Yeah, you know, I'm a very sensitive, emotional mm. person. Like, if I could save everyone in the world, I would. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I literally, my heart just bleeds for people. So they can take your emotion and your drive and your good qualities combined with the fact that we are a tribal species. Mm-hmm. Like, tribalism is in our DNA. We want to find our tribe. Sure. There's cute little quotes about it all over the place. My tribe, you know, sure. we're tribal because it's a survival mechanism. We, we realize we probably need other people to survive. Sure, safety in numbers. Yeah. Right. So when you find what you think is your tribe and then they use your good qualities and then they manipulate those to exploit you. And like you said, is so key. It was always your fault. Mm-hmm. And in, in our group, our church, it was never enough. Well, sure, you shared with 10 people today. You shared your faith, but did any of them come to Bible talk? Where's the secret sin? Mm -hmm. Well, sure, you did this. You predicted, because our church was big on stats. That's where this twitch comes from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leaders meetings with stats. Everything was stats. Everything was monetized, micromanaged, stats, stats, stats. How many people at church? How many people did you share with? Your group predicted, this is one of my favorites and, and most outlandish things that happened. So basically, not my favorite. Um, thing to share, but we had to predict how many people were going to get baptized the next week. And if you didn't hit your prediction, you were publicly shamed. It was the oddest thing that we all thought was normal wow. because we were saving people. So, well, you know, I, and I think it's so interesting that word saving people. Yeah. Because, um, I think that's not possible. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's no, there, right? no, no, because I think I, I think I, people yeah. people help and save themselves. Correct. I can certainly say when I went through my recovery process, it was on me. You know, I mean, I certainly could have counseling. I could have, uh, you know, uh, books and things I read. But ultimately, I had to do the work and I had to make a change. And so, I, you know, what I've discovered, even in the work I do now in this area. I don't have the conception that I'm helping or saving anyone. I'm just providing 
information because what I recognize in my process is one of the ways that people do help and potentially save themselves is through information. Because when you get information, you have now options to make maybe different choices that you wouldn't have had to, you would not have been able to without that information. So I just try to make the information maybe a little bit more accessible, maybe a little more user-friendly. And that's what I feel is the best I can do because ultimately everyone's got to do that on their own. So I think that whole concept which sounds so great oh let's go say you can't do that it does it, it's not the way it's not the way it works well and you're you're putting an impossible task on people's shoulders of course but that's but that's the dynamic it's a, right when you when like in our group was about becoming self-realized well you can't, you can't live a perfect life like right. uh, you know we have these these you know idols or people that we kind of put whether they're good or bad, like you, you know, uh, whether it's a Hitler or whether it's Abraham Lincoln, we want to look at them as these potential perfect beings, and everyone is flawed, you know, in one way or another. It's the same way. Well, that's part of the beauty of being human. Well, exactly. It, but when you buy into these things, yes, you know, you, and this is what I realized just recently talking with a, a friend of mine who's probably, I think, one of the more educated guys I've ever met in my life, John Atack, who we'll probably have on a guest at some point. But you know, he said even idealism is black and white thinking. When you think about ideals, like I want to tell the truth, I want to live, you know, I want to live a pure life. You use these these words that are impossible to embody. So, so, and I used to think of someone who was idealistic as something that would be a compliment to them. Right. But when I realized how much black and white thinking I had in the group and how I was drawn to idealism, that was the problem because we really do live in shades of gray. Now I can, I can strive to be you know, sure. you know, a certain things, but you have to recognize in that process, it's just not possible to exhibit that behavior constantly all the time. That is not the human experience. Right. So to set that as the goal is setting you up to fail. And that's where these groups, we all get so caught up like, oh, unconditional living, love and, and you know, and, and you know, uh, blind faith and all this sort of bullshit. And it's just not possible. It's not the way we're wired as humans. Right. Right. So you take that natural wiring and then this outside force or group of people come in, try to rewire you, and then force you to stay in that very teeny tiny little box. And it's a very painful way to try to live, especially when you're constantly being told you're wrong, you missed the mark, you have secret sin, what is it? This is why this is happening. If things don't go perfectly, you're in sin. So if anything happened that it, the leaders didn't like, there's sin somewhere. Of course. So it's always, where's the sin? Yeah. Where It's like whack-a-mole. Yeah. Where's yeah. the sin? Where's the sin? So I would go home at night and go, oh my God, I have so much sin. Where is it? I mean, it was just like constant anxiety. Right. So I just lived in this very anxious now, did it, state. Did, did you perceive them to be without sin? The leaders? I would say most of them, yeah. yes, because well, they weren't. See, that's that's a very right. unrealistic. But you know, again, that's the power dynamic. That right. is That is us consciously or usually unconsciously giving away our power to someone in some sort of right. authoritarian position. And anytime that happens, for the most part, you'll find that that person who has that position will communicate to you that you are failing most sure. of the time. Well, it's that constant <laughs> yeah. carrot in front of you. So in our group, with all these very driven people mm-hmm. in the group, well, and the group, it was a pretty, pretty equal mix of those that needed to lead mm-hmm. and those that wanted to follow. So it was a yin and a yang. About half the people wanted and needed to lead. Mm-hmm. That's that's and I was one of those people. 
because I don't do anything small, no, right? No. If I'm in it, I w- I'm all in, right? I will die for it. But then we also had people that were great followers. So that's why the church grew so fast and was such a machine. Those that needed to lead, those that needed to follow, right? Yeah, so well. that was the dynamic. But when the leaders who were always looked at as rock stars, like when some would fly into town from out of the country, because we were in every major city around the world, it was rock star status. We had to write them cards and bring them gifts. And they were, oh, so-and-so's here. Mm. And they'd have all these tales of great faith and things they've done and how many people they've saved and how fast their church is growing. So they were rock star status. So when they did occasionally confess sin or get vulnerable in front of the group, we were in awe of them. Like, and they're, they're so amazing, but they're so humble. Mm. They're so humble. Sure. So they portray this perfect balance of, I do have flaws, but dun, 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 look at everything I've done, right? The power dynamic you're describing reminds me even of that that um, docuseries we watched just recently, La La, La, La Rich. Lou La Rich. Lou La Rich, yeah. Yeah. Where, where it's a multi-level marketing thing, but you have those people who are the big sellers, they're worshipped, they're kind of considered to be the- Sure, you know, rock the stars. Hero, exactly, the rock stars. And then everyone below them feels lesser than, and they you know, can I aspire to be that? And that already is a really, really unhealthy dynamic. And uh, But it's what we're drawn to. You know, It's like that you always want to be looking up at you know, who can right. be inspired to. We, that's the part of us all that wants to follow. Well, and for, for cult leaders, it's brilliant. Because again, you take the people that really want to do big, good things, or like you mentioned, Lula Rich, they want to support their families. They want to feed their babies. Yeah. So the intentions are pure and it's noble, but the what we're reaching for is unattainable. Right. So it's this constant carrot you're running after and you can't, you'll get real close. Uh, but then a driven person, you just, you, you you keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I think religions or these groups like this that deal in these absolutes, it's really, really dangerous. I right. mean, you have to live in the shades of gray, this idea that you can do the right thing all the time or, or you're, you know, to me of what I've learned in life is you're always faced with choices and whatever choice you make, even if your choice is not to do something, it will still have ramifications. There will mm-hmm. still be consequences and whatever consequences occur from whatever action or inaction you take, you're going to learn from. So can you really categorize it as right or wrong? Cause we're all just a you, work you in progress cannot. and we're just trying yeah. to figure it out and do the best we can at the time where we right. are with the information we have. So this idea that you're right or wrong at any moment, you can make a right or wrong decision or that you missed your deadline because that was absolutely possible. It's I not, know. It's not accurate. It's just not accurate. But it's a it's manipulation. And it's, it's yes. And it's like know. I was saying earlier, when you take because I've I've always been a significant seeker. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to feel significant. I wanted to make a difference. But significant for me tends to be the the best word. Mm-hmm. Um probably I grew up not feeling very significant, so that has something to do with it. But trying to feel like my life mattered, you know, really drove me as well. And um, again, in this group, when I joined it, I do feel like it was for the right reasons. Like I wanted to change the world, but it just got so sideways, you know, when I was, you know, in the trenches of it. But even think of that, you know, the the idea that you can change the world, again, 
Again, you know, it's, it's like it's it's, it's an, a tall it, order. It, yeah, and, <laughs> and and it's not from a certain point of view very realistic. I mean, right. you know, But it's it's. I think that's where we get seduced, even on yeah. our ego, on some level. The because if we have some insecurities, like you're describing, and we we have a diminished perspe- perception of ourselves, the idea that we could do something grand is very attractive. It's, it's in, yeah, you it's know, enticing. When, it's, when sometimes the greatest things you can do is just. Do a, a simple act of kindness to someone you don't right. even know that no one's going to ever know, and you won't even know the result of. But right. it just feels like something that feels, uh, right. you know, appropriate at the time. Right. And so sometimes it's it's kind of because I when I came out of my group, and I was like, well, my God, I know it was all bullshit, but I thought I really was going to help change the world or save the world or whatever, all that sort of yeah. BS. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? Like, I can't flip burgers at McDonald's. I mean, that's nothing's ever going to get me excited again. And what I've learned is. The creative arts is a great way to recognize that you can not only heal because you realize that you have a a certain lens from this experience that I can create that uh, with a, a point of view that others don't have, but I've also learned that you know ultimately for me I just want to fight the battles I know I can see an impact. So that comes down to the relationships I have, you know, right. whether it's family and friends, where I actually feel like interacting with them, I can actually see the results of my efforts or my personal creative projects. I can put in the labor and see whether they work out or not. That's and that actually serves me in a much more satisfying way than these grand scopes of trying to save the world. Save the world. Save that for other people uh, who think yeah. they can do it, because I certainly don't know, know that I can't. Well, and it's funny when I first left this group, I I also dove into all my creative desires mm-hmm. and just started creating things and and creating you know TV shows and and just different things that I started working on creatively, and it was such a healing outlet for me. Sure. You know, it was just pouring that passion and those feelings into other things, you know, for sure. But um, while we were talking, what I was thinking about and what some of the existing cult members from the cult that I was in have said to me are just very telling. I was going to say fascinating, but it's not really fascinating. It's more sad. They'll, any success I've had in my life or as I've healed and gotten stronger and my voice has gotten stronger and um, just the the character and the behavior has built a very strong woman in me, right? So I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to tell people exactly what I want. I've learned to say what I'm thinking and feeling all the time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't do this, mm-hmm. you know, of course. But they'll be like, oh, they, they in their opinion... I'm following Satan. I have fallen away from God. And I don't literally do not care about their opinion, but they're still so indoctrinated, so um, just deep, deep, deep in what they believe that they can see someone finally happy. I clearly wasn't happy in this group. Mm -hmm. I clearly had anxiety issues. My marriage was clearly horrific. Everybody knew. So to see me now thriving and happy and color and my eyes sparkle and I I look different. Mm-hmm. I looked in the group just dead. I mm-hmm. looked deer in the headlights, no life in me, twitching, stressed. For them to not feel happy, like, oh, she's happy and she's thriving, but oh, 
you know, she's just got all this sin now and she's following Satan and, oh, it's so sad and we'll pray for you. And and it's just, that's the fascinating part to me is, can you not see I'm doing really well? Well, no, they, no, no, no. Like they well, don't want to well, see well, me well, do well. well. Well, no, well, think about it. I mean, for them to acknowledge that, they would completely invalidate their entire lives. Their existence. So they can't, yeah. they can't. They, even, even if they do see something, they have to suppress it. Because that doesn't go go along with the narrative. It doesn't align with their no. That you would be tearing their lives apart. So they they can you 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 are in essence bringing a message, and they can't face the message, so they have to attack the messenger. Right. So that's that's just psych one hundred and one. I I know. I know. So that yeah, my advice would be stay away from them. (laughs) I do. Who who needs people like that? I I do. But that was one of the things I that was crossing my mind last night that I really don't care. But I thought I need to talk about this because it's crossing my mind Mm -hmm. that I will on some levels be attacked. Sure, it's fine. It comes with the package. It does. It comes with the package. But for my own health. I just knew I needed to like talk through Listen, it in if, real time. If, if you weren't being attacked, then you probably weren't doing something significant, you know, because the fact that they would have to feel like they attack you means that you're rattling a few cages. It's right. Great. Good for you. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. Well, that doesn't mean it's easy, but yeah, no, it uh, doesn't. It doesn't mean yeah. it's easy. And you know, a lot of people, um, I don't even know if my family's going to like what I'm doing. They support me, but you know, it's, it's not easy to, Talk about all your shit. No, listen. My family, I think, has its challenges around the you know, the stuff I do in this uh, realm because uh, they're just like, can't we just get on with it? Um, right. And I understand that, but this is not the only part of my life that I focus on. It's, it, but it's a part that fuels a lot of my life because I've learned so much from this period. So I don't mm-hmm. want to be defined by it, but I certainly want to own it. Right. And I and I certainly have found that it's given me a connective tissue to others because I can recognize in others, you know, whether they've, they're in an unhealthy, you know, abusive environment, I can sense it on them. And I certainly have the, un, you know, new, uh, newfound compassion and empathy for anyone who's had something traumatic happen in their lives because trauma is really a very destructive thing if not dealt with. Right. So, um, you know, I really have found that, that my understanding of processing my own trauma makes me want to encourage others to do that themselves and uh, and the best way is to lead by example and to talk about it, you know? And so right. I don't know what else to do. Well, and it's it's funny you brought that up. That's actually in my notes what I, I wrote I wanted to talk about before we close out here is the other thing I don't think that I expressed yesterday and what I held back a little bit on was I did character-wise learn a lot of great things in that group mm. in the sense of like, Nixie, yeah, Nixie talked about um, the discipline she learned, you know, mm-hmm. and different things. And I used to be terrified of speaking in public, mm-hmm. but they threw me on the stage so often that I had to get over sure. that. And I ended up being a pretty kick-ass speaker mm-hmm. in just different things I've done after that, where I'm so comfortable, you know, at the podium or just a lot of different things in my character have evolved in order for me to get strong enough to get out of the group. And that's what I'm most grateful for, is that I wouldn't have had the strength to leave had I not evolved as a human. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's one of the the most important things that I learned is there was method to the madness. And I I call it the school of hard knocks. 
I tell people I don't recommend them taking the courses I took. <laughs> it's a but long-ass I, I, course. I learned valuable and expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I learned valuable, valuable life lessons that I'm, I feel good about who I am at this point in my life. And if this was right. part of the, the, the journey that had to happen for me to get to this place, then uh, so be it. I accept it and, and embrace it and I'm grateful for it. Right. Well, and like also we talked about the butterfly wings. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely butterfly wings and a voice along with those wings, yeah. you know, that I didn't have before. Sure. Um, and, and quite frankly, a, a plethora of other things, you know, that I definitely learned about myself, not so much that they taught me, but that I was willing to access mm -hmm. and allow to grow as I started to um, really wake up and decide that I needed an escape route. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of my friends have joked with me. They're like, man, they created for them a monster because now I'm stronger and I have a voice and you know sure. now I'm I'm finally talking after mm. being muzzled. Yeah. Well it's like what Leah Remini did with Scientology, right. right? You know? Yeah. She just took all their the techniques they taught them, used them right back <laughs> on them. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> exactly. Um, and and of, of course, not that I wish any of them any harm. They're so many wonderful people that are still in the group. Well, Some they're, I, they're, they're victims. Yeah. And I still yeah. call them friends and, and they're, again, mm -hmm. great intentions. Everyone's just have their own intentions and emotions manipulated yeah. and used for something different, you know, than what we intended to. So um, how about we close out with the, the scripture that we started with? I have it on my phone here, so I'll pull it up. Thank you. By the way, thank you so much for oh, letting no. me process this in real time. It's great. That's that's what this show's all about, right? Right, right. A Get safe space to you know investigate the recovery process and and uh, move from victim to survivor to thriver. Right. So here right. we are. Yeah. Victim to from from victim to survivor to thriver. I love that. Yeah. I love that a lot. So, write what disturbs you, what you fear what you have not been willing to speak about, be willing to be split open. Doesn't get any better than that. So thank you for allowing me to be split open live in front of all you guys and letting me talk this through. Um, remember to guard your minds and your hearts. No one else but you should have control of those. We'll see you next time. Okay.